So my dad passed away in 2015. We weren't talking and it took a month for his family to track me down. Before I ever knew he was gone, I started hearing from him in heaven. It consumed me. How is communication with the other side even possible? I left my corporate gig, studied with spiritual teachers on every coast, and worked with my angels to figure out the answers. Today, my mission is teaching you how to raise your vibration, shift your thoughts, trust your intuition, develop your unique spiritual gifts, and connect with your loved ones and angels on the other side. Friends, when you have these tools, life really does become heaven on earth. Hello, beautiful souls. Welcome to the Angels and Awakening podcast. I'm your host, Julie Jancis. And today you are so going to want to stay on for this whole conversation because we are going to have so much fun. We are here with Mickey Agrawal. She is, um, you've done everything. I mean, you were in finance when 9-11 happened right across the street from the World Trade Towers. You um, have been a professional soccer player. You created thanks, uh, the period underwear, which are just amazing. You um, created Tushy in a year when... (laughs) You know, this toilet paper madness is going on. Uh, Tushy is a, um, what do you call this? A modern bidet. A modern bidet. That washes your butt clean after you poop. Yes. You've got books out called Disrupt Her is your latest one. And we do have a lot of youngins who watch the podcast and listen to the podcast. So it's Do Cool and SHI. Do, uh, do cold stuff, right? So thank you so much for, for being here. Oh my gosh. So happy to be here with you. <laughs> Yay. So let's start out with your book. You talk about so many amazing, just like nuggets of information. I want to start out with seeing money and finances as energy flow, because you talk about your parents coming over as immigrants, right? Like your dad comes over from India, your mom comes over from Japan, they're expecting to go back, but they meet one another and, and they come here. I think you said your dad came with $5. Yes. My father came to America with $5 in his pocket from India. And, and so he's got this like lack mindset, right? And, or, or a thrifty mindset, um, which is not bad. Talk to us about your transition with money and taking what you learned from your parents and really how it's evolved into this energy flow mentality. Mm-hmm. Well, so, well, first of all, my, so my, my mother's in Japan and my father's from India. And so both cultures, like, you know, Hinduism, Buddhism, have this very sort of otherworldly element to it, like multiple gods and the you know, belief in spirit and spirituality and the importance of spirituality and energy and karma. Karma is simply energy. Karma actually means energy and, um, you know, an action and actionable energy basically. And so I, I definitely grew up with this level of understanding of an energetic exchange And money is just simply that it's an energy exchange that we've agreed to is worth something. So we've agreed that this piece of paper is a value is value and it's an energy exchange. I'm going to give you this energy in exchange for that energy. And so that's just simply what it is. And I think, you know, early for me, like I learned how to budget. My father taught me how to budget when I was 12, 11 years old. He sat my sisters and, and, um, and me down and, Um, and just said, you know, spend less than you earn. That's it. You know, it's like a pretty basic, you know, through line for just achieving just peace in that space of money, just spend less than you earn. And I think we live in this credit card, pay later, buy now, instant, like instant gratification world that, brings a lot of anxiety in the world and brings a lot of anxiety. And like, I got to buy this stuff to keep up with the Joneses. And I talk about that in my book about more stuff and like how stuff 
you know, was, was like the, the wanting of more stuff was actually taught to us. You know, we actually had to learn from different school systems, you know, that were supporting the industrial revolution where people were just making fat so many things to want more stuff. And that want creates more stress and pressure and to make more money and to, and it just, everything just changes um, in a way that's very unhealthy. And so what I learned early on was if I spend less than I earned, then I just can relax. I don't have to worry so much. And I think my father who came here with $5 in his pocket from India, married my Japanese mother who came here from Japan, barely speaking English, you know, having three children in one year, you know, they had to learn how to budget and they had to learn how to really tighten the screws, but still make us feel super taken care of. And so much of that comes from spending less than you earn. I mean, my, 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 my dad earned less than a hundred thousand dollars a year for pretty much his whole entire career and still managed to put away seven figures in savings, just just little by little, by little, by little, by little, by little, by little. And, And he's retired now with my mom and they've never really had, I mean, you know, there's so many kids I know, people my my age are taking care of their parents financially, which is, you know, a, like it's it's wonderful that the children are able to do that. But, you know, like I just, I've never had to worry about that because I knew that my parents spent less than they earned. 100%. And this has been a fascinating lesson over the last year. We actually looked at buying a bigger house and we decided to stay where we were at instead. 14, you know, 100 square foot little condo place and and just redid some of the inside too but it was so comfortable right and it's really about the feeling that it gives your body because when you take on that debt and when you take on all of this added pressure you feel that tightness within your heart space within your physical body and it was a beautiful thing because I do I do the same thing every year where in November I put up 12 sheets of blank paper I'm like okay well what what do we need to do for the next year, right? What are we going to program? Are we going to put out? What's going to happen? And I looked at it this year and I felt total and complete ease for the first time in my life. Like we grew up the same way. My parents just really taught us early on that if we wanted to have money, we had to earn it ourselves. So yeah. I was going around knocking on people's doors, selling what was it gift wrap and different things for I would get $2 for everything that I sold when I was in fifth and sixth grade. And so I looked at these 12 sheets of paper and I realized for the first time in my entire life, I don't have to produce anything out of a need to create money. Now it's just a need to create in order to help 100% and not to gain anything myself. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. And, and, and so, you know, like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right. Is like the first one is like physiological. Do you have food on the table, roof of your head, clothes on your back? Can you take care of your bills, your basic needs? Like, are your basic needs met? You know, you know, you're, this is a podcast about spirituality and awakening and all of that, right? That is the top of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like, you if only when your physiological, your psychological, all these different needs are met, can you get to self-actualization? Can you actually get to a place of awakening? And so, for me, it was very much that. Like, my spiritual practice and my spiritual awakening has really only happened recently or like as I'm the practice and the work and the exploration, the diving deep into myself and all of this just purging and doing the different plant medicines and tapping and therapy and couples therapy. I'm just coaching. I mean, I've been coaching for, I mean, I've had a coach for seven years, but all the other modalities have just been in the last, in the last few months really. And I think all of this came after I have been, I made, made sure that all of my needs are taken care of. I am at ease in the other parts of my life because I've spent less than I earned. And so as a result, I now have the luxury of diving deep into myself and actually uncovering wounds, uncovering stuff that I want, that, that, you know, like, like just healing trauma, whatever, you know, all of that only happens after 
we have this level of safety under ourselves. 100%. That's so fascinating. Um, so living below your means. Awesome. Love that. Uh, I want to talk to about you talk a lot in the book about women and finances, and how we're mm-hmm. so reluctant to yes. to look at our own finances versus how men look at money. Talk to us about yeah. your shift in that. Yeah, well, so women value downside protection seven times as much as men. And tell people what that means. So that just means that that mean, that downside protection means that, like, you, I don't know if you've ever talked to any of your women friends about money, but it's one of those things that's so interesting that it, most women don't talk that much about money. I love talking about money because it's disrupt. It, it makes people feel uncomfortable. And then, and then I want to kind of prod a little bit and it's like, why is it uncomfortable? Let's talk about it. Let's talk about okay, how much money do you have? Where is your money? Where have you put your money? Like most of the women I know have their money, mostly in savings, just sitting in their savings account, collecting dust because they don't understand the investment world. They find it to be daunting. They don't know where to go. So in my book, I talk a lot about where to put your money. Even if you only have a hundred dollars a month, to put away, you can let that money work, work for itself and work. And, you know, here are some places you can go to go and make your money work. You don't have to have like hundreds of thousands or thousands of dollars to, to make it, to invest in things. You, you can, you can go to this, these different websites and, and, and invest at very little, nothing, you know, like start to $10, and then over time that will compound. So men value like upside, upside. So like the idea that like when you're investing your money in a stock market, for example, you know, it's like a legal gambling in some ways, right? You, you, but you do know, you do have stats, you do have, you know, there, there's, there's, there's proof of a company's success. And so, you know, if you're, if a man's going to put a money into a stock, they'll, they'll be like, they value the upside way more than women. So like, like they're like, oh, if I put in a hundred dollars into this stock, I, I believe these, this stock is going to go up to like a hundred, but it could also go down and you can lose it all. Right. But they're, but they think men mo- mo- think more in like growth and scale and build and women think more protect, you know, like, let me like keep what I have intact and not worry that it might disappear because I spent way harder time, you know, making that money than probably a lot of these guys did, you know? And so as a result, like, I want to like protect it with everything I have. And women inherently, like we, we have babies, you know, like we, we protect our home. Men want to spread their seed. Like it, it is a very, like, you know, men are from Mars, women are from Venus thing. Like it's true. Like, you know, can women sit at the table and make decisions just like, of course, like are, should, is it, is quality important? Of course. And it's also important to know what our tendencies are. And so from that place, we can say, oh, I'm seeing myself really kind of like tightening as I'm thinking about investing. Like, let me explore that. Let me understand that. Let me, let me ask myself, like, why do, oh, wow, it's very like, it's, it's very animalistic. Like it's my animal brain taking over. So let like, you know, like there's a stack here. Women today keep 71% of their money in cash. You know, like that's double digit percentage points more than men, you know? So we calculated that if a woman is earning $50,000 per year, this is in my book, the woman is earning $50,000 per year in her twenties and thirties. She has roughly 400,000 to a million dollars of lifetime losses compared to a man because of her lack of investing. So we're doing 120% of the hard work, but end up retiring with two thirds of the amount of money as men that much in lifetime losses by simply not investing our money now that's a big deal, you know? So, so that's what, that's what, you know, like this book really kind of gets us talking about money in a way that we've never confronted it before. Like I was talking with my girlfriend yesterday about money and she's like, Oh, I'm having such a hard time talking about it with my partner because it's such a touchy subject. We've been together for several years, but I don't even know, like, like we know we're going to be like partners, but that's one subject that we just don't talk about you know, and it's such a common thing. And so like what I talk about in my book is the more you talk about money, the easier it is to talk about it, right? Just the same way, the more I talk about anything that's taboo, you know, like I was talking, you know, my first business is in the restaurant business, but then my second business is things, which is a period business, period proof under a company. 
people were like, don't talk about periods. Oh my gosh, I'll be hearing about this. Ha ha ha. Like I'm so uncomfortable. And then all of a sudden, like you hear enough times, it's kind of like, cool, I'm bleeding. It's awesome. You know? And it's just not a big deal anymore. After you talk about enough, anything that you don't talk about in like out outwardly is considered taboo by society. Then we ask ourselves, who is society? Society was created by people who are no different than you or me, except for a hundred years ago, these decisions were made. Why, and most of it in a very patriarchal mentality, why must we even care what society says about whatever? Like call me uncouth talking about money, not if it's from a place of genuine curiosity and from a place of genuine interest and, you know, from a, from a place that's just like, just inquisitive versus like, this is how much money I have. Like, it's not that level of like talking about money that's tacky. This is just a genuine curiosity in talking about it, genuineness about it. And when there's a genuineness about it, then you can have a real conversation about it. And then when you have real conversations about it, you start learning how to make more money. So for example, like I have girlfriends I've had for like a decade and literally seven years into our relationship, I started talking about money. I'm like, so much money do you have? And they're like, whoa, that's confronting. And I'm like, why? Like, I'm like, I'm like well, what, what, where do you put it? Like, well, I, I have it all in my savings account. I'm like 100%. I was like, wow, that's interesting. Because that was me like three years ago, four years ago. And when I started investing it, I started making 10% per year. The market did like 20% last year, something crazy. So it's like, you know, these numbers are insane. And it's like, instead of sitting in your bank account collecting 0.00001, all of a sudden we made tens and tens of thousands of dollars on just a, a small investment, you know, in, into the market and like through these vehicles like Vanguard and LVS, which I talk about in my book. So, you know, it's, it's, it's really, really, really powerful to break that, to disrupt that old tired conditioning and that conditioning of not talking about money because it's uncouth began in during the Neolithic times, you know, like and then thereafter when a very small amount of a few power hungry men wanted to control and dominate. And so they started establishing these ways of being and then calling people out on being uncouth, talking about out loud so that only a few of them could be talking behind closed doors quietly about how to make more of it. Just a few people. Well, everyone else can't talk about it because you're so uncouth. You know, so it's like this crazy, ridiculous system that was invented for only a few people to make a lot of it and for the rest of the people not to and then feel guilty talking about it, which is all bullshit. Totally. So they they did this because they knew if they talked about it more, they would make more and yeah. it would suppress the rest yeah. of humanity where they wouldn't. Right. And it's fascinating. You have like on your Instagram account, this really cool um, graphic that shows who's making the decisions in the world about different things. Like who's deciding what TV shows we watch or what movies go out or what music goes out or finances. And it's all all between like 90 to a hundred percent white men. Yes. And so it, it is, it's really, really fascinating. So how, like, what are some questions that you would recommend women who are listening to this podcast or even men who are listening to this podcast to really start to reframe their mindset on money, to look at energy as, as energy flow. Um, and really you talk about in the book as a way to fuel the passions of your true authentic self. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what energy, that's what energy is like right? when energy exchanges, right? When you're, when it's, when you're truly in flow of an energy exchange, then you, it, it, that, that, that is fuel to your passions. And when you think about money as energy, it actually like lessens the tabooness of it. So that's why, I, you know, I always talk about like, so in my book, like how it's laid out is it's a common belief and then there's a disruption. So the common belief is talking about money is tacky. And then the disruption is, no, actually, talking about money is not tacky. Let's even reframe that. Money is flowing energy. The more we talk about money as energy, the more our energy around money will shift too. And so it's really just about shifting the way we think of money from this very tense, sort of closed, gripping thing 
to this like flowing energy exchange, like a river where it's like the more energy that flows between us, the more we can actualize our dreams. And so the more we realize that, wow, like the more we can talk about it, the more likely it is that we can have more of it, which means that we can actually like make our dreams come true. Then, wow, like, let me talk about it more. Like, let me feel less burdened to talk about it because it's no longer about this tacky thing. It's about our dreams. It's about actualizing our dreams. So I want to talk about that through the lens of this energy exchange. And that's how, that's how you create, that's how you break that cycle. And that's how you start really, really living an abundant way and not this gripped sort of this gripped tight way around money, you know? Beautiful souls, I am so, so, so excited to announce that starting February 1st for $100 a month annually, you get access to a new e-course each month. Yes, you heard that right. Friends, last year you asked me the best questions like, how do I awaken? How do I connect with my angels more? You asked me, Julie, which of your courses should I take first? We've simplified everything for you. Starting February 1st, when you become an angel member, your angels and I are going to guide you through a journey of spiritual healing one month at a time. In February, we're starting with holding a high vibration and the energy of oneness. In March, we're teaching you how to build a relationship with your spirit team. In April, we're diving into teaching you how to trust your intuition. In May, the angels are going to show you how to access your soul's purpose. The rest of the year, we're diving into how to rewire your brain, self-energy healing and chakra clearing, inner child work and ancestral trauma, learning to speak your truth, sacred angel work, and so, so much more. All of this information builds upon one another, and it's best to start February 1st if you can. But if you're listening to the podcast and that date has passed, no worries. You can still become a member and we'll guide you on which lessons to view first to get up to speed. Some people have asked, will I have access to all of your other courses when I become a member? Over the course of the year, we will cover and expand upon all that was in the High Vibration and Angel Communication e-courses in the Angel Membership. However, the Angel Reiki School is separate and different as it helps you develop your unique spiritual gifts to serve others. While Angel Membership walks you through your spiritual growth and angel connection month after month. Each month, you'll get four new teachings, two Reiki healing recordings, and two live group question and answer Zoom calls. You'll also get a workbook, a community chat in Thinkific, and so much more. Go to the website The Angel Medium to become an angel member today. Purchase the Angel Reiki School, or if you just like to take the previous Angel Communication e-course, you can sign up for all of those on the website. But again, that information will be covered and expanded upon in the Angel Membership. Links are in the show notes. Friends, this is going to be the biggest year of expansion, growth, and healing for you. Thank you so much for letting me be a part of it. That's absolutely fascinating. Yeah, I actually experienced that this year too when a girlfriend of mine that I went to school with was like, yeah, let, let I mean, she basically said what you said, like, let's just talk about money. We've never talked about this. We've known each other our whole lives. And she goes, we've got a million dollars saved. And she was really proud. She's like, we've got a million dollars saved in retirement. And I'm like, oh, holy shit, what? <laughs> Um, and, and she's like, but it's all in retirement. I was like, but that's amazing. Like, I'm so proud of you. And it gets you thinking like, okay, well, how did you do that? And okay, well, if she can do it and we've been together our whole lives, like I can do this too. And it gets you on a different mindset from a lack mindset to an abundance mindset. A hundred percent. And then a lot of, a lot of friends are like, well, Mickey, you know, you built a company, whatever. So that's what you have. I'm like, no, I was making less than $30,000 a year for a decade, practically, you know, building my first businesses, you know? Yeah. 
Didn't you, so, you you didn't take a salary for four years? I didn't take a salary for, for four years building things because we were just developing the product. I was living off my, just to hand to mouth my restaurant money that I was making, building, like owning my restaurants. But it was like my, you know, it, it wasn't, it was just, just enough to pay my bills. But I was still putting several hundred dollars a month away into, you know, like just, just an account, which then I later put into an investment account. So it was very small in the beginning. And then when I had these big sales of my companies, it started to, you know, it, it started to shift. But in the beginning, like what people say is like, well, I don't like, how do I live? Cause I, how do I save any money? Because I'm living hand to mouth. I'm like, well, I lived on literally $30,000 a year for so long. And I lived like a queen. So like, and I give examples of this in my book. Like, for example, one of the stories I share in my book is in my neighborhood in Brooklyn, there's, there's, I lived in a beautiful neighborhood called Cobble Hill. You know, my rent at the time was like $9.50 a month. My sister and I both each paid $950. We both had a lot of student loans from our school. But there was, this, there was a movie theater that was playing blockbuster films, like brand new, new release films for $5 on Tuesdays. And then they had, there was this Thai restaurant, this beautiful Thai restaurant that was like a fancy Thai restaurant on Tuesday nights had this like specials where they would have like these big, gigantic, beautiful plates of chicken pad thai and vegetables for, for, for $9, like including like tax and everything. So my sister and I would basically go to Joya, have like a dinner and dress up and have a nice dinner. It was like dimly lit candle tables, like really nice Thai restaurant. It wasn't like you know, like this gross Thai restaurant. It's like a really nice one. And we went and sat there. We shared a pad Thai with some water. And so we basically, it was $5 each to have a nice dinner. And we would talk all night for two hours. And then we went to the movies, $5 movie nights at, at Cobble Hill Cinemas. And we watched a brand new release movie. So for the whole night, we had a beautiful Tuesday night ritual, $10. We would have, we would go out and have a dinner and movie like for $10 in the whole night. And so, and then we found out like on Wednesdays, there's our, our favorite like high-end taqueria had like $3 tacos. They, they're like $12 tacos were like $3 on Tuesday, on Wednesdays. So we would basically go every Wednesday to get like two tacos for $6. And so we would just but have high-end lives. Like it would feel like we were living like large, but on like $5, $3, like nothing. So, and that's in New York city, the most expensive city in the world, you know, one of the most expensive cities in the world. So people, when people say like, I can't afford it and I don't have enough money or I don't, it's like, no, that's just, you just don't, you're not looking hard enough. You're not as disciplined as you need to be. You can be a lot more disciplined and you can still have the best time being creative and like doing fun shit every night, but not spending a lot of money. You know, and then the rest of that money you're putting away, you're putting away. I remember like making $30,000 a year. I was somehow, some way putting away $700 a month. Like initially it was like a, you know, a, 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 like a savings that was returning like two or 3%. And then I found and like a few years later, I, I figured out how to invest in, in different, like in Vanguard and LVS and things like that. And, and it, and it changed everything. But all this is in my book just to share like, we don't have to think about it in a way that's like, oh, now I have, now I can't like go to dinner with my friends or now I can't do this. And now I can't do that. It's like, no, now you get to talk about it and be in this together and you guys can save together. And like, what I talk about is like being frugal is cool. Being cheap is not fun, but being frugal is cool. You know? And I talk a lot about that in my book too, where we have to stop being so pressured by society to, to want this thing and want to buy that thing that you buy it for like two second dopamine hit. And then that thing now just hangs in your closet. You wear it every once in a while, you maybe wear it one time and then you're done. And it's just like, Oh, and now you have this closet full of stuff that you don't give a shit about. And you just, and then like, instead your dreams are getting further and further away because you're just trying to keep up with the Joneses versus you know, just being like, I, I'm so happy with like the few things that I have that I love that are good quality, well-made things. And then I get to go and have these fun adventures and find these fun specials and, and like go with my friends and everyone gets to save their money, which is so cool. And like, how much fun is that? And we get to talk about money and investing together and get dinner and a movie. Like it, you just have to reframe it in your head, all of it and disrupt it. Like that's the whole point of disruptors. Like disrupt all of your thinking and your conditioning and the way people have taught you how to be and think. If you just start with a clean slate, wow, can so much shift and how much abundance can come in from that place. Yeah. yeah. 
And that's what your entire book is about. You you attach the word her onto so many different words within the book, disrupt her. And one of the things that you really dive into deep within the book is the chirping. And mm-hmm. I really familiarized the podcast uh, audience with this. I call it the egoic mind, but I love that term chirping because it makes it fun. It makes it something that you don't cringe. Like when you hear egoic mind, it's this chirping, it's this constant chirping within your head. And you talk about in the book how our capacity for joy has been compromised because of this outward chirping and internal chirping within us. So dive into this a little bit. Yeah. So, so you know, in my book, I talk about like, so what is chirping? So, so, so I want you guys all to think about like a tree. You know, when you like, you sometimes you hear this like loud noise that's coming from a tree and it's like hundreds of birds and trees just like, and it's just so incessant. Like that's actually what happens in our heads of just all the different thoughts, all the different internal dialogue. Like the, what I wrote in my book is the chirping is the stories we want to gossip about both internally to ourselves and externally to others. It's a constant internal dialogue we have about everything that has to do with everything. It's our sea of opinions, complaints, and judgment. He's right. She is wrong. Should I believe him or not? Do I agree or disagree with what she's saying? What is in it for me? Why would they do that? Is it true or false? You know, it's just all these questions and constant, just like recalibrating and questioning and wondering. Questioning is good. I love questioning. The book's all about questioning. But when it's like in, from a place of complaining attitude and from a place of, you know, of, of, of in a negative way, that just, it's discouraging. And those tiny, it's like death by a thousand paper cuts. You know, it's like you get a t- bunch of little complaints that you're constantly complaining about this and the other. And there's this interesting study that I read that in Georgia Tech, they talked about how like 90% of total office conversation qualifies as gossip. And so like, and, and gossip takes up a 15% of emails. And it's so interesting when like, you know, there's a study around how humans have like a real fascination around other human experiences. And so like, tell me about what happened with him or that her. And like, oh, like, can you believe she said that? Oh, I can't believe my mom. Can you believe my sister? Oh my God, she, and he would just nonstop. And it would be about the negative stuff instead of like, oh my God, I just came up with the most epic idea. You want to hear it? Like, like for me, I way prefer hearing someone's awesome idea than some like negative, negative hit about somebody else. Because initially, like I think about complaining, like I think about, like fast food. So, you know, it's like you go out on a drunk night and then you're like, oh, I just want a burger and fries and just that grease, you know? And I just want to like lap up all the alcohol in my body, you know? And it's just like, so like, I mean, I haven't, I don't, I don't really drink, I haven't drank in a long time, but that's what happened in my early 20s when I was, you know, I would drink, I just want to eat, eat a burger. And I, I will never forget like every time I go to like and I ate like a burger and fries, I just felt ugh, sluggish and gross like 20 minutes later. So it's the same thing. Like when you talk shit about somebody or you complain, like in the moment, it feels like you're eating a cheeseburger. You're like, oh yeah, this is fun. Like I'm just talking shit. Oh, it's giving me a hit of something, like making me feel less bad about myself or whatever. But then it's like 20 minutes later, like, oh, I feel so depleted. Like that's, it was just icky. Like that conversation just left me feeling, ugh, you know, versus like, oh my God, like I have this new invention or like, I just read this thing that can help us like, save our money or that can help us do this or that can help us go and travel or I can I found this life hack or I found this cool breathing thing that can get oxygen in my lungs at a capacity that can get my brain cells firing at a new level. Like just stuff like that where it's like when we start training ourselves to chirp less, which is complain less, and this complaint has become so acceptable in society and just shift that to ideas and creative pursuits and cool things that are happening and positive gossip. Like, oh my God, can you believe this happened to this person? I'm so inspired. Stuff like that. It actually changes your framework inside of you. It makes you like, you like we, we become more alive. Like it's like eating healthy, delicious food. It's like you feel, it feels good going in and it also feels good 20 minutes later. There's that you could have healthy, delicious food. It both exists. 
Yeah. And I love how you talk about in your book that you don't have to go out and find new friends. You just have to have the conversation. Like, like, I don't feel good when we talk about this. Let's find other positive things to talk about. Or even saying to your girlfriend, hey, I read this awesome book, Disrupt Her. I need you to read it too. And let's get on the same page. And I think that's how you have to look at it. I mean, there's been so much noise and so much chirping in 2020 and so much complaining. And that's really the energy that I have been feeling coming in is like reduce the volume on all of the noise. Not that we're not educated about what's going on, not that we're not helping fight matters that we need to help with, but just in a way that we're turning down the mental noise on it all, turning down that chirping so that we can actually do something so that we can actually get out there and fight and so that we can create within our own lives what needs to get out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. I could not agree more with that. (laughs) Yay. You know, that all comes from your book. So one of the interesting things that you talk about in there too, is how you've worked with life coaches to understand how to become the gatekeeper of your own mind. Talk to us a little bit about that. And I love the tool that you use because there are things that come up that feel very like vile within your energy, right? It takes you to a very toxic place, perhaps your chest tightens up and then your thoughts start to ruminate on this and you can't break it. You are, you are stuck in the swirl. So you have this really great tool on how to like get out. Yes. And so the first thing is, so, so I've been working with this coach, Lauren Zander, who's amazing for the last seven years. And one of the things that we've been working on for like pretty much all the time has been like how to become a warrior gatekeeper of my mind. And that means that, you know, like we have thoughts come to our heads all the time. I mean, how many times have you thought crazy stuff? Like I'm going to stand on this table and shout, I don't know, like, or, or I'm going to like, I don't know, like drive off. Like what's going to happen if I drive off the highway? I don't know. Like we have these, I mean, right. Like, am I crazy or no? Right. Like, like, I've got myself on mute, but I'm laughing hysterically yeah. over here. No, yeah. Because exactly. <laughs> because every single person has had these, like, where are these crazy thoughts coming from? I don't even understand it. And, and so like what my coach keeps saying is that like, yeah, your thoughts are kind of like people, random people coming to your window and knocking at your window being like, hello, hello, like, excuse me. And it's just like, you don't have to invite them into your house. Like just random thoughts just happen to be there. And then you don't have to beat yourself up for like having these random people come to your door. It's like, ah, like, why did I think about that? Like, am I just thinking negatively now? And I'm just such a negative belly. Like, no, random ass stuff will just come to your door constantly. And it's on us to just catch those thoughts and decide if you want to let them into our gate. And so the warrior gatekeeper is just that person, that gatekeeper who's like, Oh, there's me and Margie just trying to get in again. Ha ha ha. Caught you at the gate. Oh, there's grumpy Greta just trying to come and be, you know, whatever. Oh, there's Eeyore just trying to like be all mopey and just law and just hate her life and just feel like shit, you know? And it's like, you can, you can start to name those visitors. Like, oh, there are these people are just trying to get into my door and knocking and knocking. And they just showed up. Like, it's not like... I had a say in it. Sometimes just stuff, people, things, ideas, thoughts based on our entire lives. So much shows up, but it's in the catching of, it's in the managing, it's in the noticing, it's in the, oh, 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 oh. And so like, sometimes like, you know, my coach talks about like, you know, when you're, when, when, when like, you know, you have those gossipy friends and I know, I know myself, like, I have friends who love to gossip and I love, I kind of get all in it. I'm just like, Ooh, like what's, give me the hot goss. And then I'm like, no, you know? And I'm just like, because they just want to, they just want to like tell me whatever that this is going on with this person, that person. And I, I know me and I know I can, I can just get caught into the drama because it's just drama. And it's just sometimes, again, it's that hit of candy or whatever. And I'm like, no. And so my coach is like, you just have to name it. Like say, Oh, 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 just like, Oh, 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 Oh. And they'll be like, what, what? Like I, I, promise myself not playing this game. Let's talk about something else. You know, so you just, you just cut it to be like, Oh, 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 or like, or woo, woo. you can say whatever you want, 
that just kind of, and then the other person's like, what, what? And you're like, I promised myself that any gossip is out of the question. I don't want to do it. I'm going to save my energy and my chi for invention of abundance of creation of manifestation of all these positive things I want in my life of making like my company succeed or my baby or talking to cool people. Like I don't want to spend any more time just talking shit. Like, because it makes me feel good in the moment, makes me feel less bad about myself, you know? And it's like the thing I talk about also in my book, but also we talked about earlier was murder of Eros. The idea that people murder other people's life force energy to make themselves feel less small. And so like when we complain or talk shit or want to take someone else down or point fingers or troll all that, it's just, it's, it's, it's us not choosing ourselves. In that moment, we're, we actually, hi. in that moment, we actually like, don't believe in ourselves when we talk shit about somebody else. It actually is us not believing in ourselves. It's us wanting to take someone down to make ourselves feel less bad about ourselves. And so it's this really interesting to catch. Is that like, oh, when I'm talking shit, oof, like, that's just, I'm being mean to myself because I don't believe in myself. So like, it's a, it's a constant, like when you say something cool and positive and you're thinking about you're like, Oh, I believe in myself. Cause I, if I, cause, because I believe in myself, <laughs> I'm able to say positive things when I don't believe in myself, I'm trying to cut other people down to get to my level of like lowness. And that's, that's that catch. And so to be the, becoming the word of your mind is just simply catching and naming every person that comes to your gate and then deciding who gets in the complainer. Oh, 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 oh no. The creative, the my creative Christine is here. Like she's coming in today. Like I want to like create with her today. You know, like my you know abundance alley is coming in. You know, like she wants. We want to talk about how to create more abundance in our lives. Like, and then we start to name the positive people, and eventually, like we start to crave that more than the talking shit. Because like the God, like you know, like the reading the reading the tabloids. Like, it's kind of fun sometimes. You're like, oh, like, what's the, what's going on? Who, what, ooh, like, ooh, what's the, what's the hot mess of the day? Like, you know, who's the train wreck today? That's just, that's just so low vibrational. So it's really all about how to stay high and not low. You know, I, I started the podcast and I literally said to my husband, you know, what if a hundred people listen, how cool would that be? And we're up to right now, like 20,000 listeners a week and it just keeps growing. And I feel so absolutely completely blessed, right? Honey, you can't talk to me about what, what's going on. So which one do you need, honey? Which one do you want to play? Let me pick one. Roblox. Okay. Okay. Just, just press ignore. Hey, come here for a second. I want you to meet Mickey. This is Mickey. And I was telling her all about you today. And um, she, Ellis nine. And I think we're going to start her, her own company when she decides, you know, exactly what it wants. She wants it to be. But I was telling her how you started your, your company just from an idea and you grew it to this amazing place that you did. So just wanted you to say, hi, can you say hi? Hi. <laughs> Hi. Well, I believe in you. I think I think whatever you put your mind to, you will be able to make happen. So I look forward to seeing what you create. Yay. Thank you. Yay. <laughs> oh my goodness. So cute. <laughs> what ethnicity is your husband? Um, he's Lithuanian. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I love the mix. She has a very exotic look. Oh, thank you. So I feel so blessed, right, for for the the growth and everything that has come with it. As I have become more open on the podcast as I've been learning and continuing my awakening because I think we're never done, right? As as long as you're here in this world, you're still learning and growing. So you have gone through this spiritual awakening and you've really dived into it more and more and more in 2020. Talk to me about like some of the bigger nuggets of just like, wow, I had no idea that this was this and, and what's going to come to you. 
you know, one of the things as an entrepreneur who's like, you know, like a whatever successful entrepreneur by societal standards, whatever that means, I've, you know, I, 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 in my talks, I used to say things like, you know, fearlessness isn't the absence of fear, but it's taking action in the face of fear. I do believe that that's what fearlessness is. But I also believe that fear is something that we, we, we sh- like, you know, entrepreneurs and, and anyone who's doing building anything, they're like, you know, no fear, have no fear. And like shame, that's a whole even other thing. Like, don't talk about shame. Don't shame your parents. Don't shame me. I had this shameful thing happen. Let me just bury it. Let me never talk about it again. Let me just like, you know, like just move on with my life and just, ah, you know, and like, there's this, these things like fear and shame, like these two core emotions that we have neglected our whole lives societally. And when we're neglecting a piece of ourselves, that's denying ourselves in such a big way. And so I finally, the work I've done has finally been to like really look and hold my fear, like with love, like a baby, like cradling my fear in my arms and being like, all right, fear, like, like, hi, like, thank you. Thank you. Like, I'm so grateful that you're here to serve me and protect me. And gosh, I'm so sorry for trying to resist you and push you away. Like you are me. I am you. Thank you. And from that reverence and acceptance and loving and holding and cherishing, it disappeared from my body. Like it, and again, and then it comes back and it goes like emotions are visitors. Like I learned so deeply that our emotions are visitors. They come, we think that they're all encompassing, whether it's just pure love and pure bliss or pure hate and pure sadness and pure anger in the present moment, they feel so real to us and so true. But then like any, like a storm in a, in a forest, it just passes on and then it's clear blue skies again. And then all of a sudden it's hailing and all of a sudden it's freezing and all of a sudden it's sunny and all of a sudden it's a rainbow and all of a sudden it's, you know, like all the things. And so the leaves are falling and there's just so many parts of ourselves that we try and control and understand versus just, oh, hello. Okay. Wow. Who are you? Like, let me explore you for a moment. Okay. Bye. I'll see you later. Oh, you, okay. Let me welcome you in. Do I want you to come in today? Let me catch my gate. Do I want to let you in today? Yes. I want to let you in today. Let me explore you today. Okay, cool. Like, so it's, it's like, it becomes this game of awareness with our emotions. And, and I finally, finally gave space for fear I gave space for shame. I did some a thing on Instagram called shame shares. I don't know if you saw them, but I suggest if everybody's interested, I shared three different deep, deep shame that I was going to keep to the grave with me that I would never like tell anyone about, but I finally just let them out on Instagram and I called them my shame shares. And in releasing them, it just took the power away. It took all of that power away from them. And I felt so like, again, like confounded by the, huh, like I was holding on and gripping onto the, or just like, like having these stories mean something so much bigger than they were. And they just, it's just not a big deal. And like, none of it is a big deal. We're all going to die. Like we just, we just, we put so much meaning on everything. And that's another thing that I, I've been doing a lot of core belief work with this core belief woman. And really around like what kind of meaning we put on stuff. Like, you know, like growing up, like my Indian father would sometimes call me a good for nothing. And that was just something where he was taught, like, you know, like whatever. And and that that stuck with me in a a really tough way. And I was like, oh, and then, and for the longest time I would prove to like, I'm keep performing and trying to be great because I just didn't want to be good for nothing. And, and I learned that like, wait a minute, like, that's not my core belief. That was, he, he said that to me, like, I, he also said so many beautiful, amazing things. Like that was just one core belief that he had said to me that I held on to that, that I didn't need to make, put meaning on it. Like I'm the one that took it and created that meaning and held on to it all these years versus him just saying that and me saying, Oh, like he must've had a really tough upbringing to say that to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or like his dad mustn't have loved him. Cause I don't, that must be where he's getting that from and just keeping it there versus taking it on, putting meaning on it and then owning it. And then having to the rest of my life be about proving myself out of that meaning that I created. 
So it's sort of so much of this work I'm doing is around de-meaning you know, like remove the meaning from so much and like to be able to go into situations and stories with just blank slate. It's like to practice that is so hard because we go into every single thing, like we're meaning making machines. Like we go into every single thing, like, like having preconceived notions, having preconceived thoughts, like based on their color, their look, their taste, their clothes, what they're wearing, what their eyeglasses look like, what they're, how they sound like, like Every we just we we associate that with things that we associate because we love putting meaning on everything, and then all of a sudden we're just not connecting because we're just 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 in our heads and not in our just blank slate of full receiving acceptance whatever is in this moment in the now. Like let me drink you in anew, you know. If we enter every situation like it's brand new, like that's why I think about politics is so funny because if we met up with people not being like are you Republican? It's like, let me just have a, just a conversation with you and meet you as a human to human. And let's talk about our core feelings. Like all of a sudden we're so the same. And then it's like, what we care about politically, like who gives a shit, you know? So I think we, the work I'm doing right now is really taking meaning out of everything and just looking at things at at just in the moment, in the now brand new, like a baby. Like what? I love how you're talking about this too. One of the things that we're looking at doing on the podcast in 2021 is, you know, there's so many people that you have on the show and you can only get so far in like 45 minutes to an hour with them. So we're going to be diving into like some of that core belief work and actually going through a series with people where you have one person on and you dive into like a couple of deeper things. But uh, I love that. I could talk to you for hours or days, Mickey. You're amazing. Thank you so much for all the work that you're doing. Oh my gosh. I mean, it's so fun to learn it and to be able to share it out. I love, I love learning. It makes me, it makes it so exciting to be like, oh my God, this is what I learned today. Like, you know, just so fun. Mickey, I just want to thank you for your time today. If somebody wants to get your book, I know I listen to it on Audible, which is amazing because you can be going around the house doing whatever and just listening to your beautiful voice, sharing your stories. Um, Where else can they find your book and where can they find you? Yeah. I mean, you can find me on Instagram at Mickey Agrawal. You can also go on my website at MickeyAgrawal.com. And then I would highly, 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 highly recommend Everyone check out Tushy, my bidet brand. Go to hellotushy.com. Do not go to tushy.com. It's a very graphic porn site. (laughs) Go to hellotushy.com. And it's a revolutionary, it's really a game-changing thing. It's changed my life so much. It changed the lives of almost a million people globally. It's an incredible, you know, saving of trees. It's a modern bidet that washes your butt after you poop. It's ubiquitous all around the world. And we're bringing bidets to America and it's just a super affordable product at $79. So I suggest everyone check it out um, at hellotoshi.com. And then my book, Disruptor, you can find it every major bookseller pretty much. Thank you so much for being on the show. Bye.